You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we're right here on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, coming to you, giving you the hunting podcast Saturday morning launch. And we're talking about all things hunting and tree stand and blind access. This you, is. Go ahead. I was just going to say, all the emphasis, I think, in past years of, of outdoor life, field and stream. Everything wants to consider the stand placement so much. Like, oh. how many articles have you read or just seen? The perfect stand location. Yeah. These well, are the these are the points you need to hit. Well, here's one for you. If you can't get there, it ain't worth a darn. I don't care who you are. That's right. I, I think it's so. We always want to focus on the on the end result. On the end result, I was thinking we focus on the game, but championships are won at practice. Mm-hmm. And in this case, practice would be the access, while the game is the tree stand location. You got to have the practice to get to the game, and you got to have good access to get to the perfect location. And I will say this: we travel the country as consultants and real estate agents, and we see a lot of land, and we see a lot of great hunting situations, and a lot of bad ones. And some of the best... More bad than good. If not the best locations that we ever find as far as the pinch points and the trails, they can't ever be hunted because it's way too risky to get to them. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you, some of the best places around the farms that we hunt, we don't, we don't go to them because it's bad access. There's no point in wasting time sitting in the tree on a perfect November day when by the time... Everything you want to shoot gets to you. They're spooked, alarmed, and running the other other way. Like, don't do that to yourself. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be frustrated sitting there. And don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to blow everything out by the time you get there. And we just had this on the Would You Rather on the Habitat podcast. Somebody asked, would we rather have a farm with good neighbors or a big farm or a small farm with great access? Great access. And the... It, when you look at it on a priority list, great access is better than great neighbors because even if you have great neighbors, great great farm, if you have bad access, you're off to a very bad start. So it's very important that access is considered when we're talking hunting location and especially trying to figure out how we can improve our success 
over the season instead of alerting deer. We always, I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast, but Matt's heard me say it a bajillion times. When we look at hunting a property, we want to look at it from a standpoint of, if you've ever watched Tool Time and Tim the Toolman Taylor, and you always had Wilson sticking his nose over the fence, looking in the backyard, we want to hunt our property like Wilson. We want to know what's going on, but not be right in the middle of their of their backyard. So we can get in and out without alerting them. And good access is the key to that. Now, if it's a, you can take a, I would rather have a mediocre, if we're playing the game of Would You Rather, I would Mm -hmm. rather have a mediocre stand with great access than a great stand with bad access. Yep. Just because even though it's a great stand, I'm going to alert everything on the way there anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's just super counterintuitive. Like, why put yourself through that to go sit there and not be successful? even though it looks like a good spot on paper and and the way deer trails do go through there. But if you're screwing everything up on the way there, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. It'd be like a sprinter wearing lead boots. Yeah. You're just handicapping yourself. So what can you do to improve this? This time of year specifically because it's summertime. We're thinking how we can, what things can we do right now to improve the hunting later on? And this is one of them. Let's think about access. Get out there. You should be or probably are trimming your tree stands out right now. Oh, <laughs> was, what in the world was that? That was Facebook just barked oh, at me. Okay, I was like, where? My computer shut down. Only thing up is our <laughs> is our podcast equipment. But um, so you're trimming out your stands, and you probably are driving closer to your stands, or you need to take the time to make your approach from your normal parking position to that tree stand. And instead of just walking it nonchalant, trying to figure out where you're going or how you're getting there, think about the very best approach you can have, your wind direction as you're getting there, where the deer are, where they're coming from, as you're working your way to that stand. So you're thinking, you're trying to visualize what October 30th looks like as you're walking to the stand, and you're going, okay, the deer are most likely over there, or they're moving from point A to point B, and I'm moving right through here. How can I hide and keep my wind out of their movement patterns and getting to this stand? And and you brought up a good point of time of the year. Deer don't do the same thing in September as they do in January. They don't feed in the same places. They don't bed in the same places. So you have to anticipate. There's, there's many stands and, and access points. We might access one stand, hunt it all year long, but access it from different points at different times of the year. So yeah, it may double the work that you have to do right now to prepare for both, but you have to consider that as you're making these plans and for success in the fall. Like, I think a lot of times we, we do the Habitat podcast, but um, you know, we kind of, I guess, I don't know, get labeled in this, this, oh, they only do Habitat work. But right now is the time that if you don't or you can't do habitat work on a lease, you better be planning your access to make it absolutely perfect. And, and every time you go to the woods, that your best foot is, is put forward. So access is what you need to be focusing on right yes. now. And I think there's a lot of times we overlook this because it's you. we get caught in our routine of, well, that's how I get to that stand. But if you're jumping deer every other time to that stand or maybe it's every time to that stand – Something needs to change. If you're seeing white flags, that's a red flag. Well, or you're hearing deer just run because yeah. it's pitch black because you've walked in two hours before daylight because you're Can't like, I'm going to beat them. And I think of, I'll just give you an example. 
when I was growing up and first started bow hunting, I was in high school, and we have a place which is now, if you've followed the Habitat podcast, it's called the Home Base, Prairie Hollow Property, and we would take the path of least resistance, which was a logging road that ran through the heart of this 400-acre chunk of timber, and we would walk the logging road because that was the easiest path. We had climbing tree stands on our back, so we wanted to just walk nice and easy. Now, it was still a steep hill, but it kind of we walked a couple hundred yards southwest, and then we turned, and we would head up northwest along the ridge top, and we jumped deer almost every single time. But the reason we took the logging road is because there was a lot of brush and stuff that grew up all along the side slope in the bottom. Try, so if we tried to just walk straight along the northern border, there was all kinds of junk that we had to walk through. Instead of taking the time and clearing that brush out during the summer months and using that path where we would we would basically not jump deer because they weren't in that area, we would take the easy path up the logging road and to our stands. And I look back now going, man, we should have changed that up big time. But we never did, and now I'm sitting you, here. You sat a lot of times unsuccessful. Yeah, and you saw a deer, but it was like, what could we have seen if we hadn't alerted those other deer? The days of what could it have been. Back when there was 15 deer on the property, we jumped five of them on the walk-in. <laughs> yeah. So it was, right. we didn't kill a lot of stuff out of there, or at least mature deer. We killed a lot of does and young bucks, but um, you you have to play the what if game and say, what if we'd have hunted it more more smart? Would we have been more successful? Of course we would have, and uh, that's just one of those things that if we'd have taken the time and done the work during the summer and figured that out, and and you know I think of there's several there's like three big ravines or ditches that come down and go run right into that logging road that we'd walk in on, and then we could have just went up those ravines gotten below the i mean let's face it we were watch, walking ridge top logging roads we were silhouetted as soon as the leaves fell anything off two, 150 yards off either slope could have seen us and we could have just walked right up those ravines and at least hidden from silhouette and probably been more down in the bottoms where our scent our thermal the thermals were falling into those drainages and we we'd have controlled our scent Be, beyond much the the planned access point that I have in my head right now is the consideration number two is consideration of your silhouette. Mm-hmm. I think everyone right now should should think about their access. Do you ever walk across an open field? Do you ever walk across a ridge top? Even if you're in the timber, because most of the timber that we see on on properties is wide open. It's it's unmanaged. And if you can see a long ways, deer can see you from a long ways. I don't care how dark it is. They're going to see you way before you see them or hear them. And if you're not considerate of your silhouette and where you're walking, you need to be. Because you're alerting deer that you don't even know you're alerting. Yeah. Um and that, that has got to be on point. Take would, the road less traveled or the long way around to avoid situations like that. I think of, uh, I wonder how many deer see us that we never hear snort, we never hear run off. And maybe they just stand there and then when we walk past then they turn around and go the other way. Mm-hmm. I bet that happens a lot. Way more, I guarantee, than than what we give them credit for. Yep. And we could be educating deer, we don't even know. Like we, we It's funny because... 
as, as hunters, we get upset if we do bump a deer, we hear them running off. Oh my gosh, it's even worth going and sitting, you know, and kicking myself. But how many times, um, in the, and let's just say a thousand feet or steps it took you to get to that point where you bumped one, how many, how many did you walk past that still knew you were walking past them and yeah. didn't run, didn't bump? It, it's, it's wild to, to possibly consider. Um, but seriously, if, if you're in open country or open timber, you you hope you hopefully now will be considering it and going out you know that's you know this weekend um or the next and really planning out how you're getting to these stands oh and the other thing about that is when you're walking along and the deer that don't know it's you but they see something moving how often do they walk over to the trail you walked in on and try to get a better smell of what you were doing or who you were mm-hmm. and then they get out of there yeah that probably happens a lot as well i think no of, doubt <laughs> I think of a lot of the little bucks that when we hunted that logging road and we'd walk all the way up that road. So just picture a road that runs north to south along a ridge top that's all closed canopy forest. And first guy drops off at 100 yards down the road. Second guy's 200 yards down the road. And the third guy's 350 yards down the road. And a little buck gets your trail and he follows you all the way by the first, all the way by the three guys smelling what you where you were walking. And it's like, how many deer smell that, but, but have been around long enough to know that that ain't right. Right. And and how many times do they then kind of throw that back in the old memory bank and like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember that. Or 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 if you do the same thing next weekend, like, what's going to happen? Are they gonna, are they going to walk around? No, they're probably just going to avoid it. Yeah. You know, we the the trail that you're picking and the access. Not even like not even access points. Just the entire trail has got to be so well planned out and, and thought out. Um, Adam takes. I shared the this hunt or reminded you of the hunt that we had um, on one of our favorite stands on a different property. But one morning we were we were walking in and we had planned this route and the stand was was in this location. Be honestly because of the route. Yes, it was a good stand location, um, but the the location and the access points matched and it was like a perfect deadly combination um from where we expected you know the large majority of deer to be traveling we get out we start walking up the um the road as soon as we get off the road to dive off to the access trail we jump the deer or there's a deer out in front of us and what then proceeded to happen was okay there was a deer we didn't continue and just say, oh, well, man, it's dark. You know, I need to get to my stand. We waited and then pushed in a little bit further, paused and waited and pushed in a little bit further, thought we kind of hear it out, just kind of easing up, you know, out in front of us a, a good ways. Um, and then we're down well below in a drainage, got up to the back side of the tree, climbed up, and as it got light, we got there in time still, but as it got light, that deer was within range the whole time. Yeah. And, and that was a, that was a, a matter of two things. I think, um, that played into that was we were down low. There was not a silhouette. It was very dark. We had a planned trail, but wasn't just busting through that trail and just continuing on. It was doing something kind of irregular, irregular pauses, um, stopping, waiting. And we we're talking a minute or two. And then continuing on, easing on, stopping, listening, waiting, and then continuing on to the to the back side of the tree, not up and around front, up the back side of the tree. Use the tree as we climbed up, and seriously, as we got set up, if we had wanted to take that deer, 
that was still within range and, and it just wandered off. It wasn't educated the whole time. Yeah. But that planned access from months and earlier allowed that place to still be successful. And you, I think you, you were hunting that day and you killed deer later on that day. Mm-hmm. Like we it, used the terrain to our advantage. Yeah. And, and if you don't have that terrain to your advantage, let's say you're, you're flat country, you've got to find a different way around. You've got to backdoor them. Or get creative. How many times do we see... So in terrain country, we walk the ridge tops because that's the easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, or on flat country, crop country, we walk the edge of the fields because that's the easy way. Yeah. I think of the when we've hunted in Kansas, how many times have we like seen flashlights and people just walk in the edge of the fields mm-hmm. to get to the stand? It's like, especially in the morning, the deer are in the fields. Yeah. What what are we doing walking the edge of the field? Like get you you gotta think outside the box. And as I said earlier, practice is what wins it and so it's the access and how we can find now sure you may have to leave thirty minutes earlier, but this is the time of the year to find those access routes and improve them. And by that I mean a lot of times some of the best access we can find is by the terrain of creeks, ditches whatever it is. So if it's a ditch, walk that ditch this time of year. Cut out those trees. Take out those uh, root wads that are, or those leaf piles that leaf have dams. gathered up. The what? Leaf dams. That's it. And uh, and so take those out, and so you have a nice, clean, quiet path through that ravine. Um, that's one of those things. How many times? Well, you think about the creek that we hunt by on the Prairie Hollow property. Mm-hmm. Bryant Creek. If we just were like, yeah, let's use that, we would not have a clue how to get through there in the mornings because there's so many trees laying over it. There's trees. There's deep spots. The yeah. gravel is uneven. It's not a. Is you know, we get a flood in the spring. It throws gravel on one side, and you can easily walk off and get down to a deep hole, and you know, not be in danger, but just you're you're getting loud getting out of there. Wet feet. Yeah, and, you know you you've got to be able to plan it and I, th- I think i guess the the phrase is if you're thinking of your spot right now and you're consistently traveling to or traveling the easiest way to that stand you're probably doing it wrong if the easiest route is the route you're taking most likely you're doing it wrong because like like you said earlier probably along a ridge top or or a field edge um you've got to be able to consider a different path and again, I think it's important to say not every field is created the same. If you're in crop country and there's food out in these fields and you're walking through a pasture where they're not expecting the deer because there's cattle, okay, now now you might you might be uh, okay in that situation because you're not expecting deer to be there in among the cattle herd. But what's the temperament of the cattle? Are they going to go running? Are they going to be spooking deer who are further down or further in the woods? out in front of you you've got to be planning ahead and this is the time to do it i think of a couple properties we've been on last year some of the best access points that they had they were not utilizing Mm -hmm. and that the one that comes to mind was the creek oh muddy creek yes Mm -hmm. that they could have very easily and are working on it now but that was a whole part of the farm they weren't hunting because, or they were hunting, but they were walking through it, walking through the timber or the fields to get down along the creek. 
rather than leaving a kayak or canoe or john boat on the edge of the creek that they could drive to the easiest and then floating down and jumping off the creek bank or jumping out of the creek onto the onto the bank to hunt and if if i own that property or was hunting that property i'd be making sure i had areas to stash my boat both in the uh, whenever i'm gonna stop and get in the boat and then also down by my stance so i'd be making sure i had something to tie to or even a lot of times uh, those banks can get slick so i'd be taking a shovel down there and trying to carve out some steps of some sort or Or, stick a post in Um, do a little handrail, whatever mm-hmm. I got to do to make sure I can get up that creek as easy as possible. I, I remember telling them in, in that field or in in that pinch, just the way the ridges worked, the field, the bottom ground, the creek, everything. It was just absolute dynamite. Um, I think we made the comment Ray Charles could have found that spot and killed a deer because it, it was just like everything walks through here. But if you're accessing it the wrong way, they weren't they weren't successful there because they were coming in a horrible way. But now it was, hey, if you guys ever wanted us to come and hunt with you and it didn't matter where we were at hunting, if you told us, hey, come and hunt that spot, we got the right wind for for a week or whatever in, in November, we would have been there. Yeah, that like, was an amazing little spot. It was no spot. brainer, no brainer for the access that wasn't being utilized. It, it's going to take a little extra time in the morning to get out, put your waders on, travel in a kayak take them off, shed them, hide the boat. But man, it's going to pay off. Oh, it's going to be totally, totally worth it for them. Totally. It, and, and a lot of times, some of those best spots, the most intrusive spots, have that type of access that you have to think outside the box, whether that mm-hmm. be wade the creek, paddle the creek, boat the creek, whatever it is. Walk through the ravine and submarine the creek. Yeah. I don't care. Find it. a way. snorkel it um there's a lot of things you can do to better your access and using the terrain to your advantage i i just get stuck on a creek a creek or stream um access because you you know where the wind's going once you're down in it especially on those cold winter mornings or cold fall mornings if you have water flowing it's going to be consistent oh so consistent so I, i just think man Use those to your advantage, but you have to put the time in now to figure it out. How many times do we just have a stand out and say, "Okay, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go trim that set," and we don't even think about improving the access? Mm-hmm. And then season rolls around, and in the last thirty yards to get to that stand, it's grown up in little saplings and blackberry and greenbrier. Like, Golly! And so you sound so loud getting to it. I think of one last year that we tried to hunt. That we hung the stand mid mid winter, basically. I think we hung it in November, late November after gun season, and uh, on the front hayfield. And when we walked mm-hmm. across the when we walked across the top of that ravine, and we got to the woods, it was like so loud the last yep. twenty yards. Yep. And of course, we hung the set later in the season, so it was a little bit different. But um, I think if you can if you can do the work right now trim out those trails and don't get carried away one of the biggest problems we see when you start trimming out trails and trying to improve your access by making a trail for you to walk easier is you make it so doggone good that the deer adapt to it as well and they start using it yeah and then you're in trouble if you're if you're making a golf cart trail to your stand and clearing out the brush and clearing out the leaves you're just making a deer trail 
um, that they're going to want to use just as much as, as you do. And that's a big no, no. So, cause that's downwind. That's that. Yeah. That's downwind from your stand. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> I, so you want to make, if you're going to make a trail and specifically if, if it's one of those spots where tons and tons of leaves rake up, try to only make it a, a goat path for you to use. Cause they don't use those as much. So Can, yeah. consider just dips and low spots in the fields too. Again, it's so easy to just walk along. Um, you know, I, I, there's so many just different, uh, drainage ditches or, um, I'm thinking of irrigation ditches, things like that in crop country that you might be able to use, um, to your advantage. It's easy to walk on top, no doubt, but you're visible from up top most likely. And if you're not, if you don't have the ability to walk those, um, you gotta, you gotta plan a screen. I'm, you know, I know this isn't Habitat podcast, but if you can do it, do it. Because if you if you're ruining your spot before you even get there, go home, turn around. There's no there's not a point in doing it. Yeah. And not every go situation is like that. Ground. Yeah, not every you know access is like that. But large majority of them are. If you're educating deer on your way to and from, your success just plummets. Oh, plummets. totally. I and that's what frustrates me more than anything is seeing a great spot turn bad because of the access. Yeah. Yeah, could because it's like you've you've done half the job, as in you've identified a great place, a great corridor that deer are gonna travel, and you can be successful here, but you're not being successful here. And I think that people give up on spots, you know? Yeah, people give up on really good spots because of the access, the the fail the failure to identify proper access to a stand. Yes, and so one of the other things you can do this time of year is. Uh, we talked about this pre-show, Matt, is flashlights. Yes. When it comes to flashlights, a lot of people need to use them. You know how much I love flashlights. Yep. Love them. But I hate them whenever it's dark. Whenever I'm walking in, it's like, no, mm-mm. I don't want to see one. I don't want to use one. But on the chance or the, the times whenever we are walking to a stand and it's hard to find or it's through the timber and we don't have a trail, we will use red or green flashlights i I use red just because that's what's most popular um and and deer don't see the red lights and so but the other side of that is i don't want a bright one either and so i'll use a kind of a medium red light to use but the other thing we don't do is shine them head high through the timber it's you don't want to be looking dead straight ahead like kind of keep your head down Focus that light down, <laughs> not Watching. like eye level with deer. You shouldn't be looking for deer anyway because yeah. it should be dark. So you should be watching more where your feet and face go so you don't jab a stick in your eye, but you're watching your feet so you don't crunch across a bunch of stuff. So this is also a great time to put the reflective tacks or reflective tabs out um, to, to help you find your stand in the timber. And so if you put those out, as we said, we don't like to shine that light head high straight through the timber, put them out one to two foot off the base of the tree. Um, Of course, don't put them where they're hidden behind vegetation, but where your light, when it's shining out in front of you a few feet on the ground, you're going to see those reflective tabs. If you put them head high, that means your light has to be head high and you have to be searching with the light shining through the long portion or the, a long ways through the timber, avoid and, that. And your lights in the looking through the timber and not down at your feet. Yes. 
Exactly. I think a lot of times we draw too much attention, not by what we're doing and moving, but by the sound we're making. And so make sure you have that flashlight down to where you can see where you're going, but you're also seeing where your feet are going. And finding the tab, if you're using a green flashlight or a red flashlight. The reflective tab. Make sure you're finding a reflective tab that shows up well with that light. Um, for and those then, of you guys out there with the white lights, um, maybe uh, yeah, well, there's some land for, for lease up around in my neighborhood. Maybe you can, <laughs> maybe you can get access to it. Um, but yes, I, I would look for the reflective tabs that show up well with your flashlight because there are differences, trust me. And uh, did I ever tell you about the time in, in, uh, when I hunted public ground? I managed public, public ground. And uh, first time I ever went in, I, sh- I had my flashlight and I was trying to find my way back through there because I'd heard this was the best spot on the whole place. And uh, I started shining the light. And there were tabs and reflective tacks <laughs> everywhere. Yikes. And it was like, oh my gosh. And then, so on the way out, we hunted there a day. On the way out that night, we weren't coming back. So we broke out a big, bright flashlight, and we clicked it, and there were li- even more. Like eyes everywhere. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, oh, I don't think that was the secretive spot we thought yeah. it was. Yeah. So there is a difference in those reflective tabs. So find the ones that your eyes can visualize the best. And then I think of side slopes and walking through the wood lots to where there's a lot of limbs and and snags that fall down that make a lot of noise of course they're the good dry ones that snap really loud when you step on them that fall down throughout the year that's one of those things you need to you have to look every year uh, to make sure they're not in your trail because it could be the difference of spooking a deer 10 to 15 yards so if you move 10 to 15 yards further up the slope you get a little more silhouetted you get closer to that field edge whatever it is there's a better chance that you're going to spook deer. So try to find that trail this time of the year that's down, that keeps you hidden, keeps your scent from blowing everywhere, and allows you to sneak to your stand. And then make sure once you've hunted that a season and you realize, okay, that's my preferred choice, make sure there's nothing that interrupts that trail throughout the year with limbs and trees falling. I think uh, there's, there's two things, two points I, w- I want to make before we wrap it up. But slow and steady, I think, wins the race. Don't don't run to your stand. Don't work up a sweat. Take your time. Keep your head down and low. Watch your steps you're making. If you're deliberate with your steps, you're quiet. If you're if you're walking haphazardly, trying to rush, keeping your head up, you're not paying attention to how you're getting. You're not you're not I guess caring typically um, enough about your access to and from a stand. So consider your pace, slow it down, but a lot for that time that you're going to have um, to slow that pace down. The other thing is not every stand or access warrants you getting to that stand way before light starts to break. Sometimes, if you think about it and the way deer might work through an area, or if you're accessing right now and you're continuing to bump deer as deer uh, you know, before light, what happens if you come after the first crack of light where you can actually see a little bit? Have deer moved through there? How they already be on there? Consider that as an option. If you don't have an alternative route, consider the time in which you're traveling to that stand and in that access point. Yeah. Again, that's just a requirement of thinking outside of the box and I how they're using those, an area. Some of those like late season or early season sets to where 
um, you can get in there mid, or I say mid morning, just as light's starting to crack because um, you have a better chance of not jumping deer mm-hmm. going to it. So like late season until that frost burns off, typically they're not moving that much. So no. that's a great time frame if you're hunting mornings during late season. Go yep. in later. Would you rather? You got one for me. We just did a whole plethora of them. So it's like, would you rather? And I'm trying to keep a a hunting-focused podcast. But uh, would you you rather, if you're you're taking a creek for access, would you rather take kayak or john boat? Um, I'm going to say john boat if if the creek's going to allow it, just for space. Yeah. Um, You know, kayak is quiet. It's probably not going to bump and ding as much. But if you're if you're if you're taking your time, um, and you and you're quiet, I would rather have the stability and the access for more gear and drier yeah. equipment than a kayak. I think that all depends on the size of the creek. I yeah. You know, I would I would rather have a John boat, but there's been times where you could only get a kayak in because I would much rather slide a kayak over gravel than a john boat <laughs> yeah and so if there's any no chance that that cr- that that boat's gonna hit gravel i'm gonna take the kayak yeah but overall i'd rather have a john boat no doubt no doubt especially especially with my wobbliness in a boat uh it scares me in a, and now there are some fantastic kayaks out there that don't that are really more stable than the one i have um, and that's probably some of it for me because I. You got how, the old U-shaped bottom that oh, just yeah. wants to roll. Oh yeah, oh, that, do the old tuck that and thing roll. is just ready to roll when you get in it. And <laughs> and there's and it's the like dome, so there's like one little hole in the top for me. Oh yeah, so it was like my backpack and bow would have to go down to my feet. Oh fun. No, so then you can't it. shift your feet to shift weight a little bit. No, no you're done. No. If you're going, you're going. And the backpack, if it rolls off my leg and goes into one side or the other, it's like oh yeah oh <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, I would rather have a John boat. I, but I think you're in the you're in the the need for a new kayak. I am very yeah, new new kind of boat somehow. Uh, yeah, one little four rivers or like one of those little duck boats, whatever it is. I'm in the market for one of those. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, I think that wraps it up. But again, this is the perfect time, guys, to be doing this. You know, make a change, make make the difference here before season gets started to uh, to find more success this year. Perfect. Yep. That's exactly right. We'll catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering on the podcast. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Mm